What is going on, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode, episode 12 of the Hard Hitting Sports Podcast here on a windy Tuesday up here in the Massachusetts area. Got down to nine degrees wind chill. Absolutely frigid. Hope you all are warm at home. Jack, how are you doing in the comfort of your own bedroom? It is episode 12. It is possibly March 3rd when you were listening to this. And it is the first ever hashtag get rod on the pod day. We are going to make it happen. We're going to make it work. So hopefully everybody's listening. Everyone has time to share. Jordan, you think I should go over the rules of how to, to participate in the campaign? Yep. I love that. Let's hit the rules right. right away. So I shared a post on Sunday. I'm going to reshare it when I drop the episode Instagram picture uh, tomorrow morning, early tomorrow morning, probably by the time you're listening to this, it'll already be out. You will share, you can share either picture, uh, either the episode 12 picture or the picture from Sunday, share it to your Instagram story, use hashtag get rod on the pod, tag us uh, on Instagram. Feel free to also use the hashtag respect the specs uh, hashtag as well that rod follows, but not required on Twitter. Same thing, either tweet the picture, hashtag get rod on the pod, tag us on Twitter and you will be automatically entered in to win a $25 gift card to a restaurant of your choice. Uh, and if you and uh, 99 other people participate, then we will also get uh, a second gift card going out there if we get over 100 participants. Same thing for everybody. One entry per social media account. So if you're a podcast, you want to do it on your podcast Twitter, podcast Instagram, and then your personal Twitter, your personal Instagram, that's four entries. That's legal. So feel free to use it. Feel free to share it. You got nothing to lose. You don't even have to listen to this podcast to participate. Uh, and anyone can be a winner. We don't discriminate. It's going to be done randomly. So participate, get it in, do what you can to support the boys and get Rod on the pod. And Jack, for the timeline on this, do we want to give them a week or two weeks from when this podcast so is dropped? On the Instagram, I left it. We are doing a second episode with James from the Jazz Notes. Uh, shout out to James. Also reached his 50th episode the other day of the Jazz Notes podcast. But uh, we are going to be doing this until 5 p.m. on Friday. Uh, so you have until pretty much the time this podcast released at 5 a.m. on Wednesday, March 3rd, till March 5th at 5 p.m., so that's what, Jordan, 48. I'm trying to do 40, my math. 70 uh, 60 hours. 60 right hours. There. 70 60. hours. 60 hours. There we go. Yeah. So there that's the math for you. 70 or 60 hours to participate uh, and to get right on the pod. So. Yep. And it would not hurt to also tag Luke underscore Rhodes 46. He is the long snapper for the Colts and RJ Sanchez. He is the punter. Those three are literally like a knot together. So the more you can, the more people you can tag, the better. Uh, response we'll get from Rod and also it'll help you guys enter into the contest as well so make sure you tag those guys make sure you tag us use the hashtags post it and help us get Rod on the pod and like we said last episode Jack and I will be making a matching donation of we, whatever we give away to a charity of choice we talked about it a little bit earlier I don't know if you want to get into it now or get into it during the late hits but uh Trey, uh, Trey Mancini, I believe his name is. We were thinking yes. about donating to his charity. Jack, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yes, I haven't looked too much into it, um, and I guess we'll get into it. Maybe call these early hits. I don't know. But Trey Mancini yeah. uh, missed all of 2020 due to cancer. Um, and, you know, great guy, great baseball player. He's a really good player on the Orioles, one of their uh, cornerstone franchise guys. 
uh, made his spring training debut the other day, got a standing ovation from the fans who were down there in Florida and actually got a hit in his first at bat. So the whole baseball world's happy to see him back, see him going. So um, I was following his story pretty closely. As you, a lot of, you know, I, I am big into the starting nine grounds crew, um, the barstool baseball podcast. So I know he was a big, f- uh, a friend of theirs, a guest a few times on that show. So I've really gone to follow his career. So I'm happy to see he's back. Um, and hopefully on the up and up for the Orioles and, you know, just excited to see him back and see what he can do in 2020 or 2021. Uh, actually, we'll be opening day. Orioles are playing the Red Sox, so I'll be happy I'll be able to watch his first game back um, as an Oriole in, in 2021. So thinking about donating to his charity, we're, we're definitely all ears can definitely split it up however we want. But I think that's that's the route we might go right now. Definitely, man. And hopefully you guys, you know, give us your input as well about what charities we should be looking at as well. We want to make the best consideration possible. Uh, possible. Um, would love to give to all the charities if we possibly could. But um, at the end of the day, we want to make sure that your, what you're supporting us with, we are putting back out into the community and making sure uh, that becomes a reality for some other people to really um, use our funds to make their own personal lives better. Um, so that's that's the goal of that here. But without further ado, uh, let's get right into the NBA. Jack, yes, sir. who do you have as your hitter this week? As my hitter this week, I have the New York Knickerbockers. They Ooh. have a winning record this late in the season for the first time since 2012-2013, which was the last time they made the playoffs. For those of you who maybe forget those times, um, Carmelo Anthony was leading the way. They uh, were the two seed in the East, uh, lost in the conference semifinals to the Indiana Pacers. Uh, two seed in the East. Carmelo Anthony had a great year. Amari Stoudemire was still there. I think Jeremy Lin was still there. This was the year after Lin Sanity um, kind of took over. But Knicks have won seven of their last nine. Um, they're doing really, really well right now. Um, best three-point percentage against in the league, so they're defending the perimeter well. Fourth in steals per game, second best defensive rating, uh, and over the last nine, allowing less than 100 points a game at 97.1, which is great. Um, the offense hasn't really been doing anything too crazy. Really, their best player has been Julius Randle. Uh, Julius Randle's on pace for uh, some great numbers, 26.6 points a game over the last nine, 11 rebounds over the last nine, shooting 50% from three, which is really good. Um, and one thing with Julius Randle, I know we were talking about him last week as an all-star. Um, I know Sabonis ended up getting into the all-star game just due to KD's absence, but there's only four guys in the league right now, averaging over 20 points a game, 10 rebounds and five assists. And those players are Giannis, uh, Nikola Jokic, uh, DeMontis Sabonis and Julius Randle. So all are all-stars, but Julius Randle definitely deserves to be up there with those guys. Um, having a great year, having a, having an all-star year could be all NBA when it's all said and done. He's on pace for a, a career high in win shares. Um, and then you see RJ Barrett playing really well. He, his numbers are all up from last year in the sophomore season of his. And uh, the Knicks are actually playing better defensively with Derrick Rose on the floor rather than Alfred Payton. He did start the other night. So Knicks mm-hmm. are rolling. I will say play devil's advocate a little bit with them. A lot of the teams they have beaten over that nine, that seven out of nine game stretch do have losing records right now. So a little bit skeptical of that, but hey, they're playing great basketball. They're fourth in the East right now. Uh, one of four teams with a record above 500 in the Eastern Conference right now. So cannot knock what they're doing. And Tom Thibodeau might be a very good candidate for coach of the year. Um, I know right now I think it's Quinn Snyder in Utah, but uh, Tom Thibodeau is right up there with those guys, him, Doc, Quinn Snyder. Yeah, especially to turn around a franchise that has looked lost for the past couple of years um, and have been near the bottom of the league for 
five, six years now. So to see this kind of turnaround and seeing the production of the players that a lot of people that were like, who are these guys? Like, what good are they going to do? You know, like bringing in Derrick Rose was a great pickup. Julius Randle having a career year. Obi Toppin, even though he's been hurt a couple of times or a good amount this season, he's done some things that not a lot of other players have been able to do. So, and he's the, he was what the eighth overall pick of the draft or the 10th overall pick I think of the draft seventh, but I could be wrong. Seventh? I, I yeah. could definitely be wrong there. I know everyone was questioning Set, why uh, they took no, him so high. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know people were questioning why they took Obi Toppin so high, but it looks like it's paying off. So Nick's really in a great position. Um, can make a really good playoff push late in the year. Um, definitely a team to fear, which I feel like we haven't said about the Knicks in a decade. Yeah, um, since since the Mellow days. Literally. So, And Mellow has been not on a resurgence, but is definitely playing the best basketball he's played in a few years. So yeah, love, love to see that's kind of coming full circle, how Mellow's doing well and the Knicks are doing well, completely separate of each other. Also, um, just throwing this out there before you get into your hitter, Julius Randle's been in the league for seven years. I was looking at that the other day. I didn't realize it had been that long for him. Yeah. Uh, four years with the Lakers, a year with the Pelicans. And now he's in his second year with the Knicks. He's only 26. So still young, still, you know, not even at the age of 30 yet. And now is an all-star. So we'll see what happens. Yep. Maybe they will be on the rise. But uh, without any further ado, Jordan, who do you got as your hitter of the week? I have the Miami Heat. And a lot of reasons for this. They have beaten teams that, well, one, the Heat were awful to start the year. I think I believe I had them ranked my third, uh, number three in my power rankings, and they dropped all the way to twenty-two or twenty-four. Um, now they have turned it around. They're on a six-game win streak. They beat the Kings. They beat the Lakers. They beat the Thunder. They beat the Raptors. They beat the Jazz, and they beat the Hawks. Who, after that game, they they let go of their head coach. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But the Hawks have been good and not good this year. It's weird. They. Gallinari looked automatic against the Celtics Wednesday Shut the night. Up. Shut the fuck and up. The- <laughs> Shut the fuck up. We were watching that game together oh too for God. anyone who doesn't know. And we just, I turned it. We actually ended up watching most of the Pacers and the Warriors board. game because I was just so fed up with Gallinari just shooting <laughs> Steph Curry range threes and just draining them all. What he he hit one from thirty five feet out. Literally. He just pulled up and with a hand two, in his face. And the two field goals he missed in the first half, we I had already turned it at that point. He was literally like nine of nine, and then we go back and he's like nine of eleven. And I'm like, maybe I just shouldn't watch Celtics games anymore. But anyways, yeah. Jordan. <laughs> yeah, but either way, um, Dalinari has been awesome uh, as of late, and to see a hot Hawks team lose to the Heat, who's also very hot, just goes to show the Heat are still a really good team. Yes, they started rough. They missed Jimmy Butler for most of the first part of the season. But now that they have pretty much their full roster back, minus missing Tyler Hero for a couple games with a hip contusion, um, they are looking really sharp and really good uh, down the stretch. Yes, the Lakers didn't have Anthony Davis, but they've been able to win games without him. And again, at the same time, they're also, uh, they were on a losing streak for a little bit. Looked like they found their uh, footing again somewhat. Um, But again, going and beating a good Raptors team, beating the Jazz, who are the best team in the NBA, and then beating a good Hawks team. Very nice to see there. Uh, Jimmy Butler played two out of the three games this week. He didn't play against the Hawks, and they still beat the Hawks by 10, which just shows if he was on the court, probably wouldn't have been a much bigger win. Yeah. Against the Raptors in 34 minutes, gets 27 points, shoots just under 50% from the field, three for four from three, eight boards, 10 assists, three steals, and a block. So was able to do it all over the court offensively and defensively. And then against the Jazz, 35 minutes, 33 points, 12 for 22 shooting. So just above 50%, 
didn't hit anything from three, but regardless, 10 boards, eight assists, and a steal. Uh, so Jimmy Butler and two of the biggest games for the Heat this year, arguably, uh, showed out and did a great job, and hopefully they can keep this hot streak going. They are playing the Hawks again tonight, who are now head coachless. Um, for I think the most Nate part. McMillan's going to be taking yeah, that he job is. over. Uh, I yep. don't know if they formally announced it, but he was coaching actually against, not sure if it was the game we were watching Jordan, but a couple weeks ago when the Celtics were playing the Hawks, he took over. Uh, former yep. Pacers coach, got fired this past year. Um, pretty good coach. I like him. I, I think he'll do a good job there. Yeah, he will. And if they end up beating the Heat tonight, I'll be very surprised. And that's just a testament to what uh, Nate McMillan, uh, McMillan can bring to the table. But I believe I saw a Woj tweet earlier, uh, either today or last night, where that was confirmed Nate McMillan okay. would be coaching tonight. Um, but yeah, uh, if the Heat could keep this streak going, then they have the Pelicans, they have the Heat. Um, and magic. they have the. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Who did I, I said the Pelicans and the Heat. Yeah, sorry. Pelicans, Magic, then the Bulls for their. Uh, for their next three games. So it's a very easy way for them to continue this uh, hot win streak they're on. But again, the Magic and the Bulls are right after the All-Star break, then they play the Magic again. So right after the All-Star break, we'll just kind of see if that Heat can uh, – the Heat can still be hot. Yes, yes, um, yes. Absolutely. Um, yeah, was, but that, you, was that you had? Yeah, that's who I had. Who did you have for your shitter of the week, buddy? Yeah, for my shitter. And one thing I didn't want to say about the Heat, they were on a six-game West Coast trip, and they won. They lost the first three, and then lost, and then won the next three on that sixth game. So a lot of teams, I'd give them props for that winning three games on the West Coast, especially against the Lakers. Um, one was against the Kings, and the the Thunder, who aren't as great, but definitely showed that they're poised. That they're former Eastern Conference champions. But uh, on the bad side of things, shitter of the week, uh, I was ready to have the Celtics. Um, and then they made a comeback against the Wizards. We'll get into that maybe either today, maybe on Thursday we'll get into that. But um, I have the Indiana Pacers who lost to the Celtics on uh, Friday night. They've lost four in a row, five of their last six, and that only win was against Minnesota, who's the worst team in the league by far. They're 4-11 and 11 in their last 15. They started out the season 11-7. and seven. Uh, Now they're two games below – or three games below 500 at 15-18. and 18. Um in their last 15 games, 10 of those games have been within five points within the last five minutes, and they've only lost and they've only won two of them. They're two and eight in those games. So they're not winning close games. Um, they had an ugly turnover against the Knicks, Randall, um, and I believe it was RJ Barrett hit two late threes in that Knicks game the other day. Um, just really not playing together as a team. Their turnover rates up. Really, the biggest X factor I'm seeing is their three point percentage. Uh, Miles Turner not really shooting well from the field in general but um, he's shooting 17.4% from three over that time is 144th among 150 players who have shot over hundred threes in terms of percentage. So not doing well there. So bonus is only shooting a little bit over 30% and Mal- Malcolm Brogdon, who's having a career year uh, over the last four games is only shooting 14.3% from three. Uh, so they're not doing well in that sense. Uh, Sabonis looked a little rough against the Celtics. We did watch that uh, Warriors game as well. So I've actually watched two, pa- three, two, three Pacer games actually over the last couple of weeks, and they just haven't been playing very well as a whole. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, Sabonis can do it in multiple ways. He can pass the ball. His assist numbers aren't down. His rebound numbers aren't down, but his scoring definitely is down. And as all three guys, like I said, Turner, Brogdon, uh, Sabonis, uh, Doug McDermott lost a tooth last night. So um, just as a team, you know, nothing crazy. Their stats aren't changing too, too much, but they're not winning those crunch time minutes. Um, and the shooting as a whole, if everybody's down, you're going to, you know, you're not going to see results, especially a team like the Pacers where it's very team oriented. Like I know Sabonis is a great passer. You got to get everybody involved. And if this, you know, it, it's not working for them right now. 
Yeah, and, and the Pacers were going to be my shitter of the week. Um, I do not think they've been playing great. I had Miles Turner as one of my specific guys to point at. Um, when he's hitting threes, he's not hitting anything from the field. And when he's hitting from the field, he's not hitting anything from three. Um, so he's been very up and down this year. Um, but for my shooter this week, I'm surprised we haven't talked about them yet, especially this month. But the Houston Rockets, holy shit, man. Um, they are the dumpster fire of the NBA right now. Um, in January, right after the Harden trade on January 14th, I believe it was, they go six and three heading into February. So they're like, oh, but everyone's looking at Houston like, wow, like they can get it done without him. And this is without Victor Oladipo in the lineup. This is with um, Karis LeVert uh, having to come out because of the failed physical. What was it? A kidney problem he had? Yeah, he, he's an indie yeah. now, though. Oh, oh, sorry. Not, yeah, sorry, Indy, not Houston. Oladipo. He went to Houston and then got sent yeah, there. Yeah, it was like, yeah, Oladipo. exactly. It was two sorry, separate trades. Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, excuse me. So my bad on that. But either way, without Oladipo, who's a very good guard um, and a good replacement for James Harden. So you're thinking, wow, when Oladipo gets back, this team's going to take off. In February, they went 2-12. Two, two of their games got postponed. And then last night, they lost to the Cavs by a score of 101-90. to And the Cavs have also been very bad. Uh, for the month of February. So 2-13 and 13 in the last 15 games. Jack was telling me earlier, John Wall was in a press conference and literally said, we suck. Um, before February, the Rockets had one of the best defenses in the league. Now they're ranked 17th. They're 24th in free throw percentage. They're 26th in total scoring. And they've allowed, what is it, the third most points uh, per game in the NBA so far this year? Uh, no, they're still 17th, but oh, they're still I know 17th. they're Excuse 17th yes, that's right. the year. But at one point, I think when we had them as our hitter maybe a month ago or so, I think we said they were like third or fourth in the league. Yeah. And since the Harden trade to that point, I think in that six and three stretch, they were first in like a nine-game span, yeah. which is like – unheard of and they were i think they had a winning record at that point yeah they did have a winning record now they're that they dipped down to i believe they're 11 and 22 they're down to now so yeah. this just it just goes to show like the even a team that looks like they can do it without a superstar they haven't been able to do it and you could argue is oladipo a superstar is he not he has superstar potential but is he playing like one as of late no john wall has been a superstar for most of his career and right now he's not playing like a superstar. Yeah, he's putting up 25 per game, but he can't do it all by himself. So for Houston, they just got to get it together. And it's not even like they, they have a low field goal percentage or a low three-point percentage. They're doing well in both categories. Comparatively, comparatively against the rest of the league, maybe not as much. But for as many shots as they're taking, they're making plays and they're making buckets. It's just their defense is really lacking. They're not doing well in transition. And overall, they just are not taking smart shots in critical moments, which is leading to these runs by the other offenses. And which yeah. is, again, just pressing this defense down into a further pile of shit, further than where they are right now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I hope they can turn it around. I yeah. mean, this is. It's embarrassing, and it's not. They're not even in that hard of a conference. They got the Pelicans. They got well, the Well, you mean division, division, division. Sorry, I was not gonna say the division. Western Conference is. Oh, the, uh... <laughs> the conference is great, but the division, the, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, the Mavs, who have all been kind of like trying to find their identity this year. Even the Mavs, after with what Luca did last year and what he's continued to do this year, they're still trying to find their way. The Spurs, who didn't have an identity last year, are now moving their way up there. They're yeah. on top of that division. They're in the playoff spot at the six seed um this is just like houston there's no better moment than now to retake 
this division is yours and put your way up in the East. And they're just falling flat on their face, especially in the month of February. Yeah. You know, hopefully March is different, but as it stands right now, it doesn't look any different. You know, let's just look at some of their games for the month of March. They got the Nets. That's going to be a tough one. They're at, they're at Sacramento against the Kings. They're at the Jazz. Then the Celtics come in, which honestly is a game the Rockets could win. Probably. We know the Celtics lose to teams they should beat, and they beat teams they should lose to. Exactly. So, and then they got the Hawks, the Warriors, Pistons. So, there's a stretch of games that they could win. They have some tough games coming up, but there's a stretch that they could win. And if they don't start winning some of those games, they're going to be stuck at the bottom of the division, and they're going to probably finish bottom five in the league this year. Probably. I, I hope they turn it around. Yeah, I don't think they're too upset if they do. Like, it is definitely a rebuild. I think they had a hot start, which was great. Christian Wood was playing great. The thing is, mm-hmm. Christian Wood's also missed every game in the losing streak. He's been their best player yeah, by far. Uh, yeah. His season is plus 42, so he's definitely their best player. Um, you could tell their offense struggled against Cleveland that night you were talking about. Uh, Cleveland's 29th in defensive, uh, like as a whole, just 29th in defense, uh, which is second to last in the league. Uh, and the Rockets only put up 90 points. So I think, you know, you don't have Wood. Oladipo is kind of like off and on. You see, they might actually go out and trade him, I've heard, because he didn't want to sign that extension like we were kind of talking about earlier. So it wouldn't shock me. It wouldn't be the end of the world if Victor Oladipo uh, ends up elsewhere as well. But Yeah, and that that's another reason they're here as a shitter. Oladipo turned down a two-year $45.2 million deal, which is the biggest deal the Rockets have offered him so far. Um, that's over 20 mil a year, which by NBA standards is pretty solid. Um, obviously, he could probably get some more money, but for the situation he's in, he's probably going to want a lot more than that to stay in Houston with how they've been playing as of yeah. late. Um, Jeru Holiday also returning to the Bucks lineup after being out a couple of weeks with COVID. Um, I in that game where Giannis had that not not. Did Giannis have the 9-0 run, or was it just so the Bucs as a it whole had the a Bucks. 9-0 run? Uh, it was the Bucks as a whole, but I think Giannis had like seven of those points. He had that yep. late dunk um, that kind of shook yeah. the world a little bit. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you have anything on the Bucks. I actually had a few few stats and just a, a couple tidbits, but if you had, you, you go first because – No, the only thing I had on a holiday in that first game that he came back, he didn't play a whole lot of minutes and didn't put up a whole lot of points. But still, like, was a contributing factor, and it's good to see their starting point guard back in the lineup. Um, and this is a team that can only go up from here with his presence back on the court. So what do you have for the Bucks for us, Jack? So, yeah, so I so the Bucks ended the month of February 10-5, and 5, which is a good month when you look at it. But the crazy part about the Bucks is they won five in a row to start the month. Then they lost five in a row. Then they won another five in a row. So they're definitely a team of spurts. I know we had them like kind of up and down on the power rankings. Like I think one week they were our shitter of the week, one week they were our hitter. So they definitely um, you know, have have kind of found their way. I mean, they beat the they beat the Clippers uh most recently, like we were talking about. Um, they did win against some easier teams. I would say Minnesota, Sacramento, OKC are a little bit easier. Even the Pelicans, although the Pelicans did look very impressive against the Jazz last night. I was able to catch that game on NBA TV. Uh, but the Bucks are playing really well. Uh, they're winning the clutch time games. Um, before this win streak, they were 2-8 and eight in games, kind of like I was saying with the Pacers. The Bucks were 2-8 and eight in games uh, decided by five points or less within the last five minutes. They proved against the Pelicans and against the Clippers that they could win those games, which is great. Um, you know, they're a mid-tier team defensively, but their offense is definitely improving. Giannis during the win streak uh, in his last five, 35.6 points a game, uh, 55% from the field. 
uh, up two rebounds a game from a season average at 13.8. And his plus minus differential is one of the highest in the leagues right now in a five game stretch, uh, plus 15, which is really high. I'm looking at some other players on teams who have been playing really well. Luca, for example, in his last 10 is at plus five. Um, and they're playing about the same amount of minutes. So it's showing that Giannis is definitely still the MVP of this team. Definitely still an MVP candidate. I don't think he's going to win it this year, but definitely, definitely could, should still be in the conversation. Again, I don't think he will win it just because where the Bucks record is, uh, but he's definitely in the conversation for it. Still a top five player, maybe even top three player in this league um, for sure. Um, and then Jordan, I don't know if you have anything on the Bucks, but I wanted to talk about, I know you mentioned the, uh, the Mavs a little bit earlier. I had, to, I had some stats on them because they're starting to figure it out. Yeah, you can go for it. This is all you, bud. Yeah, so Mavericks uh, won eight of their last 10, and I'm glad. I, I know the last few Tuesdays the Celtics have played. I have their game on against the Clippers right now. I'm glad we were able to hop off before that because Luka Doncic hit that step-back three in like th- like a Neesmith and Kemba's face, and it was just wild, and there were swear words being said. So I'm glad that was off, but the Mavericks are back above 500. They're 17 and 16. Like I said, won four of their last five, eight of their last 10. Uh, really, again, not doing anything too crazy kind of in the middle tier stat wise very similar to the Pacers when you look at their season stats uh really what it comes down to they're turning over the ball they have the least third least amount of turnovers in the league which is great for a young team um which is awesome for them Luca in his last 10 averaging 31.7 points a game his rebound and assists are down a little bit per game but again showing it's a team game everyone else is getting involved uh Jalen Brunson Tim Hardaway Jr. Uh, Josh Richardson is still having a little bit of a down year, but Porzingis is back. I will say, I know I mentioned Jalen Brunson's name. He's having a really good year off the bench, was playing crunch time minutes against the Celtics at the end there. Um, You know, his last four, he's been averaging 14.5, shooting 55.2% from the field and close to about 27 minutes a game. So, uh, you know, the Mavericks are starting to come around. I think they're going to be a threat to the Spurs for the top of that division. I said at the beginning of the year, I thought they were going to finish about fifth in the West. Right now, they're sitting, I believe, at eighth, but everything's pretty close out there in the West when you look from about where the Trailblazers are sitting at the five seed all the way down to probably about the Warriors, um, who are hovering a little bit above 500. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what the Mavs can do, see if they make a move at the deadline for sure. Yeah, and I think the Mavs, as you were saying, are going to be a team to watch out for, especially after the All-Star break coming forward. Luke is finally starting to get hot. Um, Chris Stapp's finally back, fully healthy, looking real sharp out there. Um, Jay Rich has just kind of not been there so far, um, which is weird to say about someone who's one of the better two-way players in the league. Um, But hopefully he can turn it around after the All-Star break, get his stuff together. Yep, new team, new environment, new division as a whole, or conference as a whole, excuse me. Um, so that's, that's going to be a good tell, uh, after the all-star break, if it really has it and is a real star in the NBA. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if you have anything else on the NBA. I know we're going to have a full NBA episode dropping Friday morning with James. So I don't know if we want to take up the people's time too much. Cause if anyone wants more NBA talk, tune in. James is a, James knows his stuff, man. I will tell you, I'm excited mm. to have him on. He knows his stuff. I know he's mostly a jazz fan, but just listening to him talk about the league at the end of his episodes. Um, he knows the Western conference. I feel like we know the Eastern conference cause we're staying up and watching these games. He's obviously out in Utah. So um, I think I think it's going to be a lot of fun on Thursday. So I don't know if you have any last hits on the NBA. Like I'll save my Celtics stuff for Thursday. It, uh, <laughs> it's just been a great first half of the season. A lot of surprises. Um, yeah. A lot of trades obviously have been happening. Um, rumor trades, big clutch moments, guys 
outplaying themselves and guys underperforming than what we're used to seeing. So it's been a great season. I'm really happy with what we've got so far, and I think it's only going to get crazier. And there probably there's probably going to be three or four teams that are in playoffs right now that won't be at the end of the season. It's going to be tight. It's going to be tight with the 10 teams. I think in each conference it's going to be awesome. So love it. All right. Well, we're heading off to baseball now. I know there's been some NFL news, but we're going to end with that. Uh, baseball taking a little bit of an interesting turn here. Um, spring training games underway. I know we talked about Trey Mancini earlier, Fernando Tatis Jr. Another bat flip grand slam. I know it's just spring training, but still you love to see it. You love to see the energy in these games. Um, I know there's nearly not too much going on. I mean, just games started on Sunday. It's Tuesday. So guys, you know, getting their first start of the year inning here, inning and a half, inning and a third. Uh, no one's even really throwing two innings right now. Games are only about seven innings. I, I was watching a game the other day where the bases were loaded and the teams were like, yeah, let's just, you know, the pitcher threw enough pitchers. Let's just walk off the field. It's, it's a little bit different than a normal <laughs> spring training, but, um, Jordan, I, I figured since there's not too much to talk about, no really big signings either. JBJ still out there. Those guys we were talking about last week. Um, do you have some teams that you're excited to see in 2021? Cause I know I yeah. have a few. Um, mm-hmm. so I didn't know if you wanted to kind of go, I think we each had about three teams ready to go. I don't know if you want to go one by one on, on the teams that you have, the teams that I have. Um, yeah, for sure. Excited. Um, real quick. I do want to say bye to my friend, Mitch. We'll see you in the football section. <laughs> He's probably so bye, not Mitch. even listening right now. And I'll say not bye, James. I know James really listens to the basketball. So James, if you're still tuned into this, please continue to listen. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, but well, I'll just go from three to one. We can do our three each, then two, then yeah, one. Yeah, that works for me. Um, but the first team I wanted to talk about is the Dodgers. And there's a couple of reasons for this. Obviously they, obviously, they get Trevor Bauer, which is a huge signing for them. Add him to the rotation with Clayton Kershaw. Then they get Justin Turner, bringing him back for another year. Great third baseman. Would love to see some more action from him, especially at the plate. And then this is a team that's looking to re. And I think out of all the teams in the previous 10 years, they have the best chance to repeat and go win a World Series just because they're bringing everyone back. They added more talent. They got rid of some players that didn't uh, didn't do much that allowed them to go get um, Trevor Bauer. So defensively, they got better. Offensively, they're only getting better and better as more teams start to form – not more teams, but as the players start to form together, get their mojo going, get the chirping from the dugout, which – you won't see that on a stat sheet, but that does make a difference. Um, the more a team can stay together season over season in the MLB, probably more than any other sport, if we're going to be honest here. Yeah, um, so it's, a, really, it's a grind. It is literally in 162 games. Like the NFL, you play 16 games and it's a grind throughout the week. But in the MLB, 162 games to keep that same band together, and guys wanting to stay together every single day throughout a season in that many games, that's a big deal. So I'm really happy uh, that the Dodgers have pretty much kept their band together and added more players on top of that, at least with their superstars keeping them together. Um, so Dodgers, for me, they're my uh, third favorite team to look forward to. How about you, Jack? Who's at yeah. your third spot? I love, that. I love that Dodgers pick. Mookie Betts, I think, trying to make his name for the face of baseball. Cody Ballinger, yep. like you were saying. I know Kershaw's a little bit closer to the other, age of th- the other side of 30, but uh, Bauer, mm-hmm. again, love it. Love they keep in the core. We'll see how it pays off getting rid of some of those role players, though. I know we got Kike Hernandez in Boston, Jock Peterson heading to yep. the Cubs. So, um, again, like you said, they've got to make those trade-offs to get those big names. So they did get Trevor Bauer. So we'll see what happens there. 
My third team, actually the other uh, past defending World Series champions, I have the Washington Nationals. Um, uh, they made some huge signings, actually, that we've talked about on this podcast. John Lester, Josh Bell, Kyle Schwarber, Brad Hand, one of the better relievers out there in the market this year. Um, you know, their 2020 season was very disappointing. They went 24 and 36 after winning the World Series. But a lot of people forget, or actually, I don't even shouldn't say a lot of people forget, but in 2019, they started the season out 19 and 31 and then went on to win the World Series, won 93 games, beat 106 win Dodgers team, beat 107 win Astros team, swept the swept the St. Louis Cardinals. So um, you know, they had a rough start. Juan Soto finished in the top five of the MVP voting. Trey Turner was seven. Um, so I think you're going to see Juan Soto back up there. Trey Turner, again, making a name for himself, getting guys to like Josh Bell in the lineup, Kyle Schwarber on a pretty cheap deal. And then John Lester to be your fourth starter. Um, it's, it's pretty good. You're getting Steven Strasburg back. He missed all of 2020 with surgery. So you're getting the world series MVP back one of your better pitchers. Scherzer had a little bit down year by his standards, which by most pitchers standards, a 3.74 ERA is pretty solid. Um, but by Max Scherzer standards, that's low. Um, one guy I'm pretty excited to see from this team, uh, I know I've mentioned a few of them, but Victor Robles, uh, still very young, started every game for that team in the 2019 World Series, had a very, very down year in 2020, only hitting 220. Um, his strikeout percentage was up and his home run percentage went down, but they're going to need a solid center fielder, someone to hit in that two hole, um, you know, in between, in between Trey Turner and Juan Soto, um, because you're going to have Josh Bell, Schwarber power guys at the end of that lineup. So, um, it could be Victor Robles. It could be their young second baseman, Luis Garcia could be somebody else we don't even know about, but I'm excited to see what the nationals can do, especially in the division they're in the Braves, the Phillies, we all know the Mets got better. So. I, I think it's going to be fun to see. I think a lot of people are forgetting that this team won the World Series just two years ago. Um, Nationals are going to be an exciting team to watch out for, especially for the reasons you said there. Um, and a team that you actually just mentioned, the Mets, uh, hurts me to say this, but they are my number two. Obviously, everyone knows I'm a Yankees fan, so to give the other New York team some praise, uh, that means a, uh, that's a lot for me to do that. But they made some moves this offseason, man, that this team – you know, a couple of years removed from competing in a World Series, they could easily get back into a deep playoff run and possibly back there again. National League's going to be tough this year, but they could they could do it with the guys they have. Signed Trevor May, gave them some very good relief pitching that they desperately needed. They got James McCann, which I actually want to talk about for a little bit. Yeah. I was looking at some analytics on him in 2019. He was ranked 64th out of 64th for pitch framing. And basically what that means for a catcher it's when you catch the ball, how well you can frame it on the edge of the strike zone so that the ump will call it a strike. So it's basically that area, that margin of error area where a, a, a ball could be – or a pitch could be called a strike or a ball just based on how close it is to the relative strike zone that the ump has for that game. So as far as pitch framing was concerned, he was 64 out of 64 catchers in 2019. In 2020, moved all the way up to sixth place and was much better with pitch framing. That's so awesome. they get huge catcher help there. Uh, also made the big trade for uh, Lindor and Carrasco. So Carrasco moves to that number two or that number three spot in their rotation. Get some big uh, help in the infield with Lindor at shortstop. They got J.D. Davis over at uh, third base. Uh, Michael Conforto right field and obviously – they have uh, Pete Alonso over at first base. That team Pedro. just getting – Yes, sir. Uh, they're just looking better and better um, every single year. I'm really excited for what Alonso can do this year, especially with the full season. Um, and the Mets, I, I don't want to say they're a scary team, but, damn, you do not want to underestimate 
uh, underestimate them going into this season. Um, and even as the Yankees fan, like when those Subway series come up, that's <laughs> going to be a grind. Those are going to be probably some of our harder games this year that we're going to have to go through. Yeah, no, I'm excited for the Mets too. I know there's always like big, you know, there's always, there's always a commotion around the Mets. 2019, I believe they won 86 games. Last year when they announced eight teams were going to make the playoffs, I think the Mets were a team that everyone thought was going to get in. They didn't. Um, with the pitching they have, like you said, uh, Jordan, you have DeGrom, who was one of your faces of baseball. They need to make the playoffs for that to hold true. Um, one guy I do think we may have forgotten on that was Lindor, probably because he may have been forgotten a little bit in Cleveland. I think he is one of the faces of baseball, maybe not top four right now, just in the moment, but he's definitely up there. So I think it's going to be great to see what he does. Uh, he still hasn't signed anything long-term yet with the Mets, so he's definitely going to have something to prove still. I think he'll end up there long-term because I don't think the Mets would have traded for him if uh, that wasn't the case, but this year is going to be a telling sign. Like I said, the nationals are going to be there. The Braves have won three straight division titles where it went away from the world series. The Phillies probably should have made the playoffs last year if they didn't lose eight of their last 10 um, in typical Phillies fashion. So that'll be interesting. But uh, my number two team, uh, unless Jordan, you had anything else on the Mets you wanted to add? Uh, nothing that um, I'm just really excited for what they their yeah. potential this year. Yeah, but go ahead for your number two. <laughs> cool. Um, so this team kind of broke out in 2020. I think a lot of people had them kind of down towards the the bottom tier of those like later playoff uh, teams. But I have the White Sox again, uh, just because I think this year they're going to win the division, and that's uh, a little bit of a sneak preview to our MLB season preview. Uh, but last year they did go 35 and 25 did end up kind of losing the tiebreaker out to Cleveland. So they did get the seven seed and have to go out to Oakland for a tough playoff series. Uh, the thing with the White Sox is they started out 32 and 17 and then went three and eight down the stretch. They basically had, they were the number one seed. I think they were the first team in the AL to clinch the playoffs and then just kind of fell down from there. Uh, they, you know, Jose Abreu MVP, Tim Anderson finished seventh, which I think was a little bit low for him. I think Tim Anderson is a top three shortstop in the American league. Uh, because Lindor's not there anymore. So he's going to try and be that guy in the division. Uh, they signed Lance Lynn, Liam Hendricks, which is huge. They also uh, signed or agreed to a contract with drunk driving Tony LaRusso, which I don't really know if I like that, just with the young guys that they have. Um, I thought, Al and I'm happy though, because I thought Alex Cora was going to go there and I'm happy he's back in Boston. I love me some Alex Cora. So happy he didn't go there because I thought there was a very good chance. If it wasn't the Red Sox, he was going to be going over to the White Sox. So uh, definitely excited for Lance Lynn, uh, finishing the top seven of the Cy Young voting the last two seasons in Texas, which, uh, kind of revamped his career there after getting traded for the Yankees. Uh, something interesting too, uh, the White Sox next year are going to have three guys who finished in the top seven last year. Keiko finished fifth, Lucas Giolito finished sixth and Lance Lynn finished seventh. Lance Lynn is also since his Tommy John surgery, led the league in starts one year, led the league in innings one last year, um, and made the most starts in the league last year as well with 13. Uh, two guys I'm excited for on this team, Lucas Giolito, probably one of the better pitchers in the American league that everyone forgets about through a no hitter, uh, against the tigers this year, kind of had two stretches. Um, he has had two top seven finishes in the Cy Young voting as well, uh, alongside Lance Lynn. So he's been one of the better pitchers was an all-star in 2019. Um, in 2020 kind of had two different stretches. So between, you know, in the month of August, he was uh, three and one, the team was five and two. He had a two ERA guys were only hitting 161 against him where in September he wasn't as great one and one 418 ERA, a little bit less strikeouts, 
um, and guys were hitting almost 200 against him. So the numbers weren't there as much, uh, but he's definitely going to be back. I think he's going to be the ace of that team. And then Eloy Jimenez, who missed the pretty much the entire playoff series, did have a couple out-bats, but had a leg injury, uh, won the Silver Slugger in 2020, which is a great year for a young outfielder. Um, he was ninth in the league in hits, ninth in runs created, third in the league in extra base hits. He's not a name you hear a lot, um, but kind of like Jose Abreu, very underrated young guy. So I think this team's going to win the division. They have the starting pitching. They got another closer. I know we're talking about uh, Colome uh, a couple weeks ago. They lost him, but they added Liam Hendricks. So I think this team is poised to make a deep run, especially with uh, Cleveland trading Lindor and Carrasco. I don't think they're going to be you know as good as they were last year. Obviously, the Twins are up there, but I think the White Sox pitching is better and their offense is just as good. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the White Sox can do going to this year forward, especially when you bring up that pitching side um, of the equation, added a lot of depth there, um, and they really know how to get it done on the mound. So I'm really excited for them. Um, do you have anything else to add about the White Sox? Anything that the uh, um, listeners at home who might not too, not know too much about them? Yeah. Or what I mean, keep keep an eye out for Eloy Menez, Luis Robert. I don't know if it's pronounced Robert or Robert. I believe it's Robert. Um, keep an eye out for these guys. They're a fun team to watch. If you, I know we've talked about the Padres a bunch on here, um, but I know this team's a, a fun team to watch. If you don't want to stay up till ten thirty every night and watch West Coast baseball, tune into the White Sox. They're a fun bunch. They're they're young guys. I mean, Abreu's a little bit older, but he's the veteran of that team. Tim Anderson. I know we talk about bat flips. Has some of the best bat flips in the game. Is very active on Twitter. Um, follow some of these guys on Twitter too, not even just White Sox players, but I know Jack Flaherty I've mentioned, Trevor Bauer, like I've been saying. Um, if you want to get into it, even if you don't want to watch the games, these guys are these guys are great. The White Sox are a fun bunch. That's why I'm a little bit surprised the old school Tony La Russa is there. But tune into a few games, watch a couple innings. These guys, like I said, these guys are fun. Uh, they play the game the right way, but they, they add their own flair to it and is why they were probably as good as they were in 2020. Yeah, man, those are a lot of great names to look out for. And again, you made a perfect segue for me mentioning the teams Padres. having fun. <laughs> yeah, man, teams having fun. Padres, they are my number one team to look out for this year. Um, first and foremost, making big pitcher trades go now, getting you Darvish and Blake Snell to just add to a nasty rotation that they got brewing over there. Um, add that uh, with Lamette, Musgrove. Obviously, guys that aren't as good but can get it done uh, in the starting role. Um, then you go get, uh, I want to say I'm pronouncing his name right, Haseon Kim yep. out of Korea, who is an unbelievable player over there, had over a 300 batting average the past two seasons, over 100 RBIs, had hit 30 home runs this past year, um, got home 112 and 111 times respectively the past two years. So has it done a great job over there. I don't know where they're going to play him. He played shortstop at third base predominantly while he was over there. And obviously they, they have Manny Machado and Tatis. So I don't know if they move him to second base. I don't know if he's just going to be a rotation guy for Manny and Manny can go play DH or, or no, obviously not DH yeah, in the NL. They should have it, but they, they don't. should have it, but they don't. Um, but still, I'm not sure what they're going to do with him. Just maybe a sub player who maybe pinch hits every couple of games. Um, so that'll be cool to see what happens there. But obviously, the best part about the Padres this offseason, Tatis getting one of the biggest deals in MLB history. Um, that's just awesome to see for a young guy like that who brings a lot of swag, brings a lot of energy to a team like the Padres, who were already fun to watch to begin with. You were saying earlier, grand slams, bat flips, doing the whole thing, yeah. running around the bases. I love it, man. Let's go! And yes, sir. I'm so excited for this Padres team. And like I said, 
during his 13-year contract, they're going to win three World Series. Two of them are going to be back-to-back. And not I'm one. still holding to that. Not, not two. one. Not, not two. Three. I guess three. three. <laughs> yeah, I guess three. Um, yeah, this is a team that's, <coughs> excuse me, is going to be very exciting to watch uh, going into this year and for years to come, especially if they're able to keep that starting rotation uh, on the mound. Yeah, absolutely. And they'll be getting Mike Clevenger back in 2022, who they made a huge trade for from Cleveland again. Um, so I think that'll be that'll be awesome. To go off your point too, I'm actually not too sure where Kim's going to be playing either. Um, they have him listed on their depth chart as the second third baseman. They also did sign Jerks and Profar. Um, who has played some outfield, but is mostly a second baseman shortstop as well. I've heard things about uh, Jake Cronenworth, who was a rookie of the year candidate last year, who was their second baseman, played very well, potentially moving to outfield. But again, they have Will Myers, Trent Grisham. um, And why am I blank? Oh, Tommy Pham, who actually had a pretty solid year last year too. So I don't really know. Um, I think they could have honestly too, when they signed him, they weren't sure if there was going to be a universal DH. So I don't know if they knew where he was going to be playing, but um, no, I, I mean, I'm up there with you. I, I didn't have them on this list just cause, and I, again, the white Sox did really well last year. Um, I just, they, they, the Padres did so well last year. They had the second best record in the national league. So I'm obviously excited for them. Same with the Dodgers, same with the Mets too. I mean, I'm excited for all the teams that you mentioned. Um, but I just kind of wanted to go and obviously I didn't want to talk about the same teams you did. Cause that would have been boring for, you know, 30 minutes to do that here. So, um, my number one team, and as a Red Sox fan, this pains me to say, and no, I'm not going to say the Yankees. And Jordan, I don't know if this pains you to say as a blue, as a, well, not a Blue Jays fan, I just gave it away as a Yankee fan, but, um, I have the, the Toronto Blue Jays still, I think they're playing, are they playing in Buffalo? Are they playing in Florida? I don't really know. I haven't really seen too much on that. Neither um, have I either. So I don't know if they're going to be the Buff Jays again this year. If they're going to be or the go to Tampa. Tampa Bay Jays like and do what, do what the Raptors are doing. Um, but I'm excited for them. I think I'm not going to give away where I think they're going to finish, uh, this year. I want to save some, uh, surprises for our, uh, 20 or maybe not surprises for our season preview, but last year went 32 and 28 finished with the eighth seed in the American league did get swept out of the wild card round by the Rays. Uh, but we saw what the Rays did to the Yankees, uh, to the Astros and almost to the Dodgers in the world series. So, um, they added, you know, two big names, Marcus Semyon and obviously George Springer. They did add some pitching as well. Kirby Yates, former Padres closer, uh, Steven Matz, like you were mentioning from the Mets, um, and Tyler Chatwood, another bullpen arm. So they did add some pitching depth in the bullpen there. Um, you know, they had the starting pitching depth. Hunjin Ryu had a great year last year, had a little bit of a rough start. I actually cut him from my fantasy team too early after like two starts, which I shouldn't have done. Um, but he did finish in the top three of the Cy Young voting. And they have a lot of options at starting pitcher. They have Ross Stripling, who they got last year from the Dodgers, Robbie Ray, who they got from Arizona last year. Like I said, Ryu, Mats, uh, and Tanner Roark, former Washington National. Um, they have, again, a lot of young, exciting guys, two, three former sons of MLB players, Vlad Guerrero Jr., uh, Bo Bichette, who's their shortstop, who I think, uh, bold prediction, Bo Bichette's going to be an all-star in 2021. Mark my words. Bo Bichette Ooh. will be an all-star. Respect the flow, too. Bo's, Bo's got flow. Mm. Bo has got some nice flow. And then Kevin Biggio. Um, who's he more of a utility guy? I mean, not a utility guy. He starts, but he can play the outfield. He's been playing third. I think he's going to be their right fielder this year, but I'm not too, too sure. Uh, Vlad Guerrero jr. Though one of my players I'm excited to see Mm -hmm. lost 45 pounds since last summer. So he's a slim boy. Uh, still got that wagon though. Did play all 60 games. (laughs) Jordan's dying. (laughs) I said that. Maybe Kyle Lowry got to go for Oh my, yeah, because they're Toronto. They're both Toronto, I guess. Yeah, yeah, they have to. He was a thick boy, but uh, 
He played all 60 games in uh, 2020, which is a little surprising. I know people were concerned about his durability. Um, and he did play more games in the field. I believe he played 35 games at first base for them. Um, so he didn't, didn't play a majority of his games at DH. I think him and Rowdy Telez might switch off some games between first and uh, for, or first and DH this year for them. Um, he won the 2019 home run derby. I don't know if you remember that, but that was a great mm-hmm. one in Cleveland. Um, yes. was hitting piss missile after piss missile after piss missile. Um, he had nine homers in 60 games. So on pace of close to 30, what would have been in a full season in 2020, 33 RBI. So again, close to what it would have been around a hundred uh, and a 269 career average, which is pretty solid for a guy, you know, in this day of age where batting average isn't obviously the number one thing you're looking for in a three, four, five hitter. So uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. I'm excited for. Also keep an eye out for Nate Pearson. Guy throws absolute cheddar. Uh, he throws up about 100 miles an hour. His average 2020 fastball velocity was 97 miles an hour. I only started in, I think, two or three games, but um, he's been awesome. I think he's the future ace of this team. Like I said, they have a lot of depth and a lot of veterans starting pitching, but I think he's going to get his fair share um, as guys, you know, Ryu hasn't really pitched too much of a full season. Stripling's had his uh, injury problems. Matt's has had his injury problems. Ray has had his injury problems. So I think you're going to see Nate Pearson maybe start the season out of the bullpen. Maybe not because um, Stripling could be a guy or Roar could be a guy that comes out of the bullpen. But I think Nate Pearson is going to be a, a force for years to come. I don't know if he's going to have a breakout year this year, but he's going to be he's going to be really good. He's going to be scary in that division. Yeah, and I think the Blue Jays for the next couple of years are going to be a scary team. Um, they haven't won one since '93 when they went back yep. to back. Um, so I mean, besides the Yankees and Red Sox, everyone else in the AL East has struggled to win a World Series. Orioles only have three. Blue Jays got two. Don't give the Yankees that much credit. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, I said, <laughs> come on, Jordan. Uh, not like we have 27 <laughs> on all five of my fingers right we here. We were hey, um, we've been alive for the same amount of World Series that our teams have won. Yes, that's true. So. Interesting. <laughs> but you remember more of them. I don't. That's true. That's facts. I, I will say that. So, yeah. The only one I really remember was 2009, obviously. Yeah. And I like vaguely remember the 2000 World Series because that's when, like when my dad first started me showing baseball. Yeah. Um, but overall, I mean, Rays were one of six teams to never win a World Series. Um, so, I mean, the whole division's kind of been like, it's obviously always been Yankees, Red Sox, sometimes Orioles are up there. Rays obviously getting to the World Series last year. Um, Blue Jays have made some splashes here and there, but if there's any time the Blue Jays can really stick it to everyone else in our division, this is the year. Yeah. Um, and I'm really excited to see what the Blue Jays can do. You know what's wild? Um, I heard what's this crazy? the other day, and I don't know in comparison to the Yankees, but um, a lot of people, I don't know if you know who Hein Bloom is. He's basically the he has a, he has a fancy title. He's basically the GM. I think he's, he's vice president of baseball operations or president. Like it's direct, not to even director. Only like two guys in baseball have the title that he has. They do have another GM, but he's the one calling the shots. Um, he used to, he's got his start with the Rays. He basically made the Rays what they were, got them to the world series, finding random bullpen guys who can throw a hundred miles an hour and really bullpen games. I know Kevin Cash gets a lot of credit and obviously hate for that, but Mm -hmm. I'm bloom was kind of the mastermind behind it. Um, so a lot of people have been calling the Red Sox the Boston Rays or the Tampa Bay Sox, um, just because they're kind of taking a similar approach, trading Mookie, trading Benny, um, things like that. But since 2008, so there's been 13 seasons played, obviously 12-year difference between 08 and 20, but 13 seasons. The Rays have had a better record than the Red Sox in eight of those seasons. Wow. Now the Red Sox have won two World Series, but again, like they won in 2013, were last in 2014 and 15, then made their way back up with some homegrown guys. But then you see what they did in 2018. Then they lost yeah. 
you know, they 2019 pitching wasn't good. And then they like cleaned house almost between 2020 and 2021. So the Rays, you know, that, that model might be there for the Rays. And I think the Blue Jays are a very similar team. They have a lot of homegrown guys, a lot of young guys. They're willing to spend the money though. That's the difference. Um, and I think you're going to see the Red Sox do similar things to what the, what the Blue Jays are doing right now. They're not going to spend that money, but once they get the homegrown talent up there, you're going to see them start spending that money. So a little bit different of an approach than the Red Sox have done in years past where it's like, there's a problem. Let's just dump some money on it. So let's sign Pablo yeah. Sandoval and David Price and <laughs> uh, Carl Crawford and all these guys and then trade Mookie Betts when you, he's the one guy that you should keep. But never mind about that. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, in all reality, like what would you rather have, the better record or two World Series? Like- I know, exactly. And that's the argument. I mean, the race have been, exactly. I mean, I'd rather have the two World Series. And that's the argument though, is like, you know, the race have been to the same amount of World Series, you could say, in that time too, because yeah. um, Red Sox won in 13 and 18. Rays made it in 08, beat the Red Sox, um, and then 2020. But it's just an interesting like fact. I don't think a lot of people think about that when no. they think the Rays, because I know the Rays had some crappy years in there between like 2014 and 2017. Mm. I think they weren't very good, but they've kind of just you know made their way back, made the playoffs three out of four years between 08 and 11, got back there in 13 had a winning record, had won 90 games in 18, just missed out on the playoffs. So yeah, um, interesting to see. There's our little ALE segment. <laughs> yeah, man. I love that. Well, Jordan, anything else on baseball before I let you get super excited? Oh boy. Uh, there's nothing that comes to mind. Oh yeah. JJ Watts, that walk guy signed with the St. Louis Cardinals. That's yeah, what it St. was. Louis so Cardinals, just so you know, just to stay on baseball, he he's yes. not going to Arizona. Did you see that picture? Yeah. John Boy posted a picture of him in a, in a <laughs> St. Louis Cardinals. He looked pretty good in it. I would say he, he, looked, he looked good. He did. Be a DH or they don't have a DH in the end. We went over this earlier. He could, he could be a solid first outfield. baseman for them. Outfield. 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 Got, you ever see him throw to kids in the he's, stands? I was going to say, he's, he's probably a got a can. Cannon. Yeah, I'm going to say. Durability-wise, you might want him at first. Yeah, possibly. But, you know, J.J. Watt to the Arizona Cardinals. When I saw the tweets last year that we got DeAndre Hopkins in a trade and we literally gave garbage for it, a second-round pick, David Johnson, who's at an awful point in his career, um, and we get one of the best receivers in the league, I was like, wow, this is as good as it's ever going to get besides winning a Super Bowl. And then I opened up my Twitter yesterday. I pulled my phone out of my pocket around like 11 or 12 o'clock while I was at work. And I saw JJ Watt's name and I was like, oh, funny. I was just talking about him uh, with a student like two periods before that. And and then as I'm about to close my phone, I see Cardinals right as I'm about to clo- like turn my phone off. And I was like, huh? What? Because the picture had just come out about KJ Watt and the teams he was hinting at. So I thought it was just more speculation on that. So I was like, all right, I'm not going to look at this. Like it's just more bullshit and more fluff from earlier. And then as soon as I saw Cardinals, I was like, huh? And then it's breaking. J.J. Watt, Arizona Cardinals, two-year deal, $31 million. And the first thing I thought of was DeAndre Hopkins' Instagram post about two <laughs> weeks before that yep. of him and J.J. hugging each other in Cardinals jersey saying, let's finish what we started. I posted on my story. I was like, yo, D-Hop's out here recruiting. And I was like, oh, it's not going to happen. We don't have the cap space. I mean, we have 20 mil to use, but like, are we going to use that on one player? Apparently we are, you know, I'm just, I'm in awe. We needed interior help greatly. That's one of the weakest spots in our defense. This gives us another edge rushing option. I know durability might be an issue, but he stayed healthy this year. 
Um, two or two years ago, I believe he played a full season, or the year before he played a full season. Yeah. Um, Chandler Jones is on the opposite side. We could play JJ in a three tech um, on running downs and then move him outside the edge on passing downs. Now we don't need to re-sign Hassan Reddick. We can move around some other players like Devon Kennard, maybe trade him, get some more value, maybe a third round pick, maybe another player, maybe a secondary player, which we also greatly need. Um, you know, like this is getting JJ puts us in a much better position for the remainder of this offseason. And defensively, we are greatly improved having him there, not only for his on-the-field impact, but his off-the-field. What he does is in his community, how he helps out people um, in the community, uh, just basically what he does for the players. Um, and he's just a great guy. I was watching his press conference today, and, man, like the amount of charisma he has as a player and just who he is as a person is just going to be great for our locker room and especially the young team that we have. Now you have – Veteran presence with Larry Fitzgerald, J.J. Watt. I doubt we bring Patrick Peterson back, but if we do, we we got another guy there. Corey Peters, who was a Walter Payton Man of the Year candidate. Justin Pugh, who's been in the league for a while, you know? So we, we have guys here that have that veteran presence and that experience. And then DeAndre Hopkins, obviously. He's not as old as the other guys, but still, when you're the best receiver in the NFL, you got to have some veteran prowess to you. Like, this is a team that can really help these young players develop and figure out what it means to be an NFL professional athlete. And this is a team that now could be posed to make poised to make a playoff run. You know, adding one player doesn't change everything, but ask that to the box. Yeah. Like <laughs> <laughs> literally ask that to the box. But I mean, like this puts us in a better position. We're one game removed from making the playoffs. We beat the 49ers or the Rams who both had backup QBs. We're in the playoffs. Are we going to make a deep run? Probably not, but we're there. And yeah. that's a much better feeling than where we ended this year. Yeah. Especially after the start you guys had, I think, oh I think my it's God. one thing to like, and, and it, it, it's always the recency bias in the NFL, the way you start. I mean, no one gives a shit almost, No, you know, teams, what well, we saw the Broncos a couple years back go six and oh, and then finish the year eight and eight. So yeah, literally it's, and that's, it's tough, but yeah. And if you follow our TikTok, um, I got a lot of shit for who I picked for my offensive oh. defense current player teams. Yo, I, I just got to tell you guys, if you were listening, calling me a casual, you obviously have to watch some football if you think Stephon Gilmore right now. Yeah, is right now. Jason Jackson. Jackson got snubbed to the Pro Bowl. Got yeah, absolutely snubbed. Real. And I will admit, I forgot Hank Aaron on my all-time baseball team. But those who do listen to this podcast know that he is one of the best players. Doing those TikToks is hard as fuck, especially baseball, <laughs> yeah, because there's so many guys. I mean, I'm my, my, I was looking at my all-time team, and people are saying Pete Rose. Fuck Pete Rose. I know he's a good hitter. He should be in the Hall of Fame. But Joe Morgan had a great career. Joe Morgan had two back-to-back -back MVP years and was the best player on a Reds team that won the World Series. Pete Rose was a leadoff hitter who was good, all-time hits later, but I like Joe Morgan better. So Dude, user, love so user seven eight nine five two three five suck my ass. <laughs> Literally, you're Literally. living in your mother's fucking basement. You probably don't do anything for work. Like fuck you. Thank you for supporting us, but fuck you. Bro, I love the energy. I love the passion. Cause guess what? We're right. We have the show. You don't. <laughs> Literally, and my favorite, my favorite too, on the all-time team. And anyone who's seen that, now that's our most viewed one. Your your second part of the football is our most liked TikTok, but my yeah. my baseball one's the most viewed one. Yes. People are roasting me for Hank Aaron. People are saying Pete Rose. And then I got one guy who's like, oh, Mike Trout's not a left fielder. It's like, all right, well, we're going outfield here. Like, that that's kind of ticky-tacky. And then I have someone who's like, well, what about Ricky Henderson? Well, Ricky Henderson wasn't a right fielder. So I have two guys saying different things. My favorite, though, is a dude being like, dude, where the hell is George Brett? 
I'm like, bro, I didn't get the Royals. Shut the fuck up. Like, where <laughs> are you? Like, watch the fucking thing. Oh so but seriously though, everyone who is supporting us on TikTok, I love you. it. We dude. actually, we actually Even are doing pretty solid. On us. We're doing yeah. pretty solid right now. We have 95 followers, it. but we only follow like 47. It's our best ratio. Yeah. We have almost 3,000 likes. I think most of them are in like the second part of your video. My yeah. meme team, my baseball team, mm. your two, your two teams. Um, one of my my first basketball teams. So. Uh, we, I have a good time making those. Those are fun. Yeah, dude. And even the people that shit on us, I absolutely love it just hearing other people. I mean, it's funny. I, I feel like we've made it now because like people yeah. just shit. When you have <laughs> random people just shitting on you on the internet, it's it's kind of fun. I, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Like at first I was like, what the hell? Okay. I was like, okay, I forgot Hank Aaron. Like, show me. But then I was like, what was that? Friday. And then like today I'm looking at it. It's like, bro, you forgot Hank Aaron. It's like, yeah. dude, it's three days later. And I put a Literally. comment in it. Literally yeah. being like, I know I forgot Hank Aaron. And then guys like, you forgot Hank Aaron. Like, thanks, dude. I already thanks, fucking dude. know. I already feel like a piece of shit, but like, whatever. Oh my God. There's my two cents. It's, Sorry. Sorry, football. It's just crazy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. No, that's fine. Um, I think it was just funny to bring that up. Yes. But I mean, I think it was just going back to the JJ Watt situation. I just think, you know, that really helps our team going forward. Um, and just you have a guy like him who is arguably one of the best defensive linemen ever in NFL history, three-time defensive player of the year. Obviously, Aaron Donald's also in that conversation. John Randall. I know Lawrence Taylor wasn't technically a defensive lineman, but he was an edge rusher. He's also up in that conversation. Reggie White, Jason Taylor. You know, there's a lot of really good solid linemen. And I'm sure I'm going to get shit for not including someone on that list too. Um, Garrett Allen's one of those guys. Um, who, who else were you going to say? Hand. I don't know if you said it. Uh, yeah, Michael Strahan, obviously one of the greats. So there's names up there that I'm obviously going to forget just off the top of the head. But he's up there in that conversation, and especially with this versatility inside and on the edge, being able to get it done. That almost helps his case to be the best defensive lineman ever to play the game. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I think I think it helps him. Um, I thought I was kind of on the same board as you. I thought they were going to be a. I thought they were going to be a playoff team last year before the year started. Once they added the seventh team, I thought they were going to be like a six or seven seed. Just missed out on that. I mean, I don't watch the Cardinals as closely as you do. It definitely helps them. I still think the Rams are maybe favored to win that division just because of their defense um, and, and Matt, Matt Stafford, Stafford um, and not really losing much else on the offensive end. Solid O line. Cam Akers proven to be a potential top 10 running back in this league will probably be up there in fantasy rankings and solid receivers with woods and cup obviously so um but i think the cardinals are right up there you know i mean we saw this year the bucks won it as a five seed so you don't necessarily need to win your division you just need to get into the dance and see what happens yeah man and i think like if there's any chance that we have now is the year i don't know how the 49ers are going to fare now that robert Salas over in new york um they're losing richard sherman most likely going to lose emmanuel mosley um I know they recently extended Eric Armstead. I don't know what he's going to do. Um, obviously, they're going to lose Solomon Thomas because they, they declined his fifth-year option. Not that he was a world beater or anything, but definitely helped uh, get Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead one-on-one um, the past couple, uh, past couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, Fred Warner, very good linebacker. I don't think they're bringing back Quan Alexander. Um, oh, no, he's, he's, in, uh, he's in New Orleans now. Excuse yeah. me. That's my mistake. Um, so yeah, definitely not bringing it back. Jaquiski Tart and Jimmy Ward. Uh, I believe Jimmy Ward's going to be 30. Jaquiski uh, Tart's going to be pushing 30 during the season. Um, so that defense isn't getting any younger. They're still very talented, very good for half the defense being second strings. They were still fourth in the league for total defense. So, yeah. I mean, I, I can't say anything bad about, bad about the 49ers and especially that offense with Jimmy G healthy. Like that offense is very good. 
and now they got George Kittle, Brandon IU coming into his They're second year. Back. Debo's healthy. Yeah, Debo solidifying himself as the number two end slot receiver for that offense. Kendrick Bourne, very consistent. George Kittle, obviously one of the greatest players in the NFL right now. That offensive line is insane, especially if they bring back Trent Williams, who was the best offensive tackle last year. You can't even argue that. Um, just crazy. Just crazy what that what this division could look like. And you can't forget the Seahawks, regardless of their offensive line, their defense played great down the stretch. Russell Wilson, we don't know if he's going to stay Wilson. Yeah, we can talk about that a little bit. Um, th- that <laughs> offense is crazy with or without him. Um, I don't know who they would replace him with, but yeah, there's four teams that he is rumored to that yeah. he, not rumored. He even said he would want. He to said go it. To. Yeah, he he came out and yeah. said it. So I guess which which team would you say would be the best fit for Russell Wilson, and what do you think maybe that team's record would be roughly in 2021? Just as of right now, we know there's still free agents, draft, all that stuff injuries, training camp injuries, things like that. Yep. But what team do you think? The Las Vegas Raiders. Okay. That was and my team too, but I have another really team. I have another team. But go ahead. Well, you go first. What I, th- I think you would look the best in a Raiders uniform out of those four teams and arguably looks better in a Raiders uniform than he does in a Seahawks uniform, in my opinion. Um, but out of those teams, Saints are going to lose some offensive linemen in free agency in the next year or two. Cowboys offense is good but the defense is not there to back it up. And I'm not saying the Raiders defense is there to back it up either, but Cowboys have aging players, especially in the offensive line. Bears are just kind of not, they have a really good defense, but their offensive line is missing holes. And we don't know what their skill set's going to look like where the Raiders, Henry Ruggs is there. Darren Waller's there. They have a very good offensive line. They have a young defense, especially with Jonathan Abram, Max Crosby, Cleveland Farrell, Nick Kwiatkowski had a very good season this year. Um, David Irving's coming back, who showed that he could be a very good impact player on the inside of the defense. Um, the Raiders are just a good team to look out for, just like the Cardinals. Started 6-3, and three, finished 8-8 eight and eight after skidding a couple of games. Um, I don't know what they do with Derek Carr. I would hate to see him leave Las Vegas because he's been an awesome quarterback since yeah. arriving for the Raiders, especially in 2016, right before he broke his leg. Uh, like I said last episode, he was the best, uh, the third best quarterback in the second half of the year. Um, you know, Derek Carr is just a good quarterback. I don't think he, yeah. for those reasons, he goes to the Raiders. But for Russell Wilson in a trade scenario, I think Derek Carr would be a good fit for Seattle if they did a QB exchange and a couple of picks. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm shaking my head, Jordan. No one else can see good. me. Celtics gotten out rebounded right now so tough on yes. that end but speaking of russ um i i like the raiders for him too um i kind of try to think of maybe what their winning win loss record or win losses would have been in 2020 i feel like they maybe would have gone 10 and 6 if they had russ the thing is the numbers are actually pretty similar other than the touchdowns and interceptions car um in 2020 4100 yards uh, 27 TDs, nine interceptions, 67.3% completion percentage, uh, 71 QBR and 517 attempts. Russ, 4,212 yards, uh, 40 touchdowns, but 13 interceptions. So both are a little bit higher, 68.0% completion percentage. So a tad bit higher. And then 73.5 QBR, a few more attempts as well, 568. And then Carr also did miss that one game. I forget who it was against, but he did miss that one game. So probably Mm -hmm. if the season panned out attempts wise, maybe would have been about the same yards probably would have been about the same. And then obviously touchdown interception completion percentage may have been a little bit different. Um, The thing is looking at all the teams, looking at the, the bears, the Cowboys, the saints. I know you mentioned the bears losing some offensive linemen. I think the Cowboys still or the saints, sorry, losing some offensive linemen. 
the Cowboys still have a solid offensive line. The thing that's tough to look at is like, you don't know the potential of rush of Russ when there's not going to be all those sacks there, you know, like I'm comparing guys with two different offensive lines. And one of my friends on the trade bait podcast, Ben, very smart guy said, basically it comes down to an offensive line. The quarterback can do whatever they want, but you saw in the super bowl, what happened? Patrick Mahomes got screwed. Not saying the chiefs have a bad offensive line, but they had an injured offensive line. And then you see the, uh, the bucks with guys like Tristan Wiffs, who great, great rookie, great year. Um, so seeing what Russ can do with a good offensive line, I think is going to be great. I don't know if he is going to get traded. I know I said like Vikings potentially, but like, I, I don't know if he is going to end up anywhere. It's just a little bit tough. Teams are going to have to package a lot for him. I think Seattle's going to have a high asking price for him, but I think the Raiders would be the best fit. I think if the Cowboys don't get Dak back, which would be stupid. I think if they don't, um, cause I think Dak is, I think he's, a, I don't want to say he's better, but he's, he's younger too. He has mm. more to prove. I know he's coming off an ankle injury. Um, his clutch time performance isn't as great. Uh, his playoff numbers aren't there like Russ's, but um, you know, I think if, I think if the Cowboys don't get Dak, I think that would be a really good fit. I think uh, Russell Wilson, Zeke, Amari Cooper, Gallup, CD lamb, and a good offensive line would be great. I know, like you said, the defense isn't there, but Russ didn't have a really great defense this year either. And they were still able to go 10 and six. And he also didn't have a great offensive line. So a better offensive yeah. line, better numbers for Russ. I think, I think you see the interceptions go down a little bit if he was to go to Dallas. So I think those are the top two. I don't really think the bears, the saints, I think are going to go in a different direction. I really do. I think they might yeah. resign Jameis, Taysom Hill, um, or even the draft, I even really think for the Saints, if they really want to try and figure something out, or even maybe just for developing, um, it would be interesting to see him with the Saints. But I, I don't, I don't think that would happen. Yeah, what's interesting is that there was a video of Drew Brees doing. Uh, he was literally pushing a weighted sled um, up and down, literally pavement up and down a hill. Um, it looked like probably over 100 yards worth of pushing in the wow. middle of a parking lot. Yeah, so I don't know if that's just him trying to stay in NFL shape in case he wants to make a comeback. I don't know if he's already made up his mind and he just hasn't told the media. But I think that makes that Saints QB situation very, like, not eerie, but just, like, what's actually happening in, happening in New Orleans? And I think if – because it's a double-edged sword because if he makes a decision earlier, if he's going to retire or not, and he does retire – then the Saints have to eat all the cap space for this offseason. And they have to figure out a way to bring Jameis back, draft a quarterback, or go after someone else in free agency with one of the worst cap spaces in the NFL. Whereas if he decides to retire later, then they can split up that dead cap space over two seasons. I think it's post-June 1st. Yeah. But then it's after the draft, after the peak of free agency. They don't know if they're bringing Jameis Winston back or not. So it's a much tougher situation. But if he does come back, it's a win-win for everyone. Um, I just don't know if he's going to be able to play at the same level he has been the past couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, but again, there's just more to tell on that. Um, you know, the Cowboys, I think, would be a good fit. It's just, again, it's a really bad defense. And that offensive line has not been able to stay healthy. Um, they were elite a couple of years ago. They were consistently one of the best ones. And now towards the bottom, as Zach Martin was really the only one to stay healthy. And even he got hurt, you know. Yeah. So that's, that's the tough part about that offensive line is just the injury bugs, kind of like the Eagles who have a very good offensive line. Just everyone gets, gets hurt, you know? So I don't know, man. It, I hope I hope he stays in Seattle. I hope they figure out a solution for him. I don't know how much he's going to want to stay now that J.J. Watt is there. Um, True. You know, I don't know what one more player really tough, does for a quarterback's confidence. but Tough defenses you know? he's going to have to face. Rams, yeah. 49ers, Cardinals are – 
have gotten better over the years. So yeah, not defense. Seattle has the worst defense in that division. Yeah, they do. And Cardinals defense has only gotten better because of JJ Watt and the potential of JC Horn in the draft. Do I think Patrick Peterson is a good cornerback? Yes. Do I think he's could be better? No, I think Pat Peterson is past his peak, especially after getting suspended for six games in 2019. So I think we ship Patrick Peterson out. We let him walk in free agency. Obviously, don't re-sign Drake or Patrick. He was awful this year. Um, he hasn't been good for a while. Um, Byron Murphy is going to be a starting slot corner, so now we need to go after someone in the draft and in free agency. So I think we rebuild the secondary that's led by Buda Baker and let everyone else figure it out. Our front seven's awesome, especially when Isaiah Simmons knows what he's doing and can get after it. So th- this could be a really good team overall. We'll just have to see. What do you got? I heard you say draft. Yes. I so did this say week, draft. this week for our number five, and and we'll probably speed this one up a little bit because I'm basically going off of our PFF subscription that we just bought recently <laughs> to enhance the podcast and enhance my football knowledge. Um, yes, but we're going to go over five players each where we think they're going to land and just kind of why we'll probably keep it a little bit quicker, probably keep this podcast to about an hour and a half, because like I said, we're dropping two episodes this week. So Jordan, um, I don't know if you have your first guy who you want to talk about and just kind of the reasons why. Yeah, man. Uh, Trayvon Morick, he's a safety out of TCU. I had him going to the Chiefs in my original mock draft. That has not changed yet. But I think wherever he goes, he's a really versatile safety who can play in the slot, play over the top, crank down in the box if you need it. Probably going to be kind of the Antoine Winfield factor where you don't hear a lot about him coming out of college, but is an absolute stud for whatever defense he goes into. And with safeties like Bradley Sorensen only getting older, or excuse me, Daniel Sorensen only getting older, Quan Thornhill hasn't been consistent to start his career. I think Trayvon's a really good fit for the Chiefs, and the Chiefs don't pick him. I think he's a good fit anywhere else he goes. Nice, nice. I'm going to go in order of how I have these guys drafted. So I have... And you can correct me if I'm pronouncing these guys' names wrong, but I have Penne Sewell. Swell. Penai Swell. So I have the Chargers trading up with the Falcons to get him. Um, that being said, PFF has him ranked very high, uh, grades above 90 in pass block, run block, and mm. zone grade, um, which is huge. He's only 20 years old, didn't play at all in 2020, opted out due to COVID. Um, is a big 330 pound guy, but watching a little bit of film on him, he is fast. (laughs) So he's definitely, I think the top O lineman in the draft. Um, one of his weaknesses is that he's, uh, an Oregon screen heavy offense. He's not like he, you didn't really get to see his true ability in one-on-ones, but I think if he goes to the chargers, you have running backs like Justin Jackson, Austin Eckler, a team that likes to throw a lot of screens, especially with a young quarterback like Justin Herbert, I think it would fit in really well there. Um, because it's again, a screen heavy offense. Justin Herbert, MVP 2021. You're honestly, and TikTok too. I know we keep talking about TikTok. There's a lot of people saying that right now. You're not the only one. It feels like, like not yeah. calling you out, Jordan, but I'm just saying like, it's a popular pick right now. A lot of people are saying that. So yes. And I have it written. I am probably one of the first people to say, Man, would, I'll have to, I'll have to do my research on that. Also to go for it. Uh, literally five minutes after that Super Bowl, the uh, yeah, way too did. early predictions dropped. You so. did say it out there. Yes. Um, just to go off my stats, you know, I love my stats. Uh, percentage of dropbacks with quick pressures. So when there was less than 2.5 seconds, again, thank you, PFF. Uh, the Chargers were second worst in the league in that. So I think the pass blocking of Swell is going to really help them. So I think they Yikes. would be dumb. No, I don't want to say dumb, but I think it would be a smart move to trade up for him if you're the Los Angeles Chargers. I agree. Who you got next? Yep. 
Uh, so Jack's going in order of draft order. I'm going in order of who I think is going to have the biggest impact. Uh, number four, Najee Harris to the Miami Dolphins. Um, I think the Dolphins really lacked in the running game, even with Miles Gaskin. I think they could have done a lot better, especially if Breida stayed healthy and they kind of figured out what he could do. Breida is one of those guys, when he gets rolling, he could be a top 10 back in this league. We saw it in San Francisco. He has a lot of flashy speed arguably faster than Raheem Mostert, who we showed his speed uh, this season, had two of the fastest runs in the NFL, both over 23 miles an hour. Um, so Najee Harris, obviously not as fast, but can have that quick speed impact, can really do well getting out to the edge, playing between the tackles, um, and really is a true three-down running back in the NFL, which you don't see a lot of anymore. Um, and I think you pair him up with Miles Gaskin if he does return to the Dolphins. Um, if they keep Brita, I don't know what they're going to do with him, but get a three-headed system there, um, even with Najee playing majority of the three downs. Jack, what just happened? Rob Williams, Time Lord, just <laughs> jumped. Literally, it's a cheat code. You throw the ball up to Rob Williams, it's game over. I'm sorry. I was just freaking out. <laughs> That's but fine. It's, it's Rob Williams, start him. The Celtics need to start him. Bro, All I right. just saw you freaking <laughs> out throw your hat. I just looked up at the TV and Rob Williams – you throw it up to this man. If you're ever bored on YouTube and want to see some freakishly athletic guy, just type in Rob Williams alley-oops. It's insane. Yes, sir. Sorry, we're on football. No, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> I, I appreciate the uh, passion you got oh, over there. But shit. overall, Najee Harris is going to be a very good running back in the league, and I think his best fit is with the Dolphins. Jack, who do you got for your second guy? He did it over Zubach, too. Did he <laughs> actually? They literally <laughs> caught it over him. Anyway, uh, I got number seven. Uh, I got So I got Jamar Chase to the Eagles, but the guy I want to talk about, Devontae Smith, Heisman winner. I have him number seven to the Lions. I think the Eagles should take him um, just with the offense that they run, but I think he is going to slip to the Lions at seven. Um, I think he's going to be great for him. Uh, a lot of screens. He's a, he's a great screen uh, route runner. I think that's going to work great with Goff because you see what Goff does on those short routes with Cup and Robert Woods. So I think Smith's going to be a great fit there. I know Kenny Galladay is going to be a little bit more of a deep ball threat, a little bit uh, stretching the field. So I think adding him and Smith, it doesn't look like they're going to be bringing back Marvin Jones Jr. in Detroit either. So, which is, um, which is sad. Which uh, is in sad. all reality. I wouldn't mind seeing him in a Patriots uniform, though. I will be honest. I would, would love to. I would love to get him. I think he's a Belichick guy. That's I love that if he goes to the uh, to the uh, Pats. But yeah. fun fact about Marvin Jones: he led all receivers on third and long receptions with ten. Wow. The next closest had six, and I think there were like seven guys with six. Yeah. On third and long, so Marvin Jones can have that situational impact that you're looking for. Doesn't put up flashy numbers, but is a guy who could be a beast, especially for the Patriots. You yeah. need a playmaker at receiver. No, yeah, I, I would love it. I, I, I've i kind of followed him throughout the years. I feel like I always have him on my fantasy team too and just learn a little bit about him. I know he's had some um, family tragedies and things like that as well. I think he's a father of four and his, his fifth passed away, unfortunately. But anyways, um, Devontae Smith, uh, great slot receiver. So I think he'd, he'd be good there. Obviously, the biggest question is his size and just his uh, catch rate on contested balls and going up against guys in the NFL, NFL cornerbacks and linebackers. Um, might be a little bit tough for him, but I think he's going to find a way around it, especially with a quarterback like Goff. I know Goff isn't the best, but I think he would kind of fit into kind of what Robert Woods, Cooper Cup were doing out in LA. And, uh, you know, he'd be great out there. So that's what I got. Jordan? Love it. Number three, let's go. Caleb Farley was talking about the 49ers earlier, losing some key secondary players. 
Uh, Farley did opt out for the 2020 season, but the 6'2 corner is one of the best in this class. Has blazing speed, projected to run a 4'4 at the 40, which is crazy for a corner of his size. Those are some Patrick Peterson-type uh, numbers. Um, Farley's going to be an, a stud in the league, not only against the pass, but filling in holes and gaps in the run too. I think he'd be a guy that you could blitz off the edge a couple of times. He could come up and fill a run on the outside, have that Jalen Ramsey tackling factor where he just picks guys up by the legs and drops them into the ground. Um, I'm very excited for Caleb Farley, and I think he would fit great with the 49ers. He might go to the Cowboys. That's also a great fit. I just think because Sertain played in 2020, um, the Cowboys are going to lean towards him. I know all the analysts have Caleb Farley first, but I think that playing in 2020 factor is going to play a, a bigger impact than people are anticipating. Um, yes, like, yes, they're fresh. They haven't played a season very recently, but at the same time, they lost a whole year of football. Yes, they're preparing for the draft and preparing for professional career, but that makes a huge difference, not actually playing in games and not playing against opponents. And I think NFL coaches and front offices are recognizing that. Um, so I think some guys that are getting projected to go in the top five, top ten picks are going to skid to the mid-first round, uh, late first round. Um, Caleb Farley could fall su- uh, subject to one of those situations. Yeah, I've heard his name tossed around a couple of times. Don't see him coming to New England at all because we already have a pretty solid secondary. But yeah. um, to go off the secondary point, I have – so at 13th overall, I have J.C. Horn, who you have going to the Cardinals, um, which wouldn't yeah. be a bad fit either. I have him with that Atlanta trade going to Atlanta. It's evident that Atlanta needs help on the pass defense. Um, they probably might end up losing Darquise Denard, probably mm. also uh, – is it Keanu Neal? Yeah, Keanu out there. Neal. Probably yeah. might be losing him too. Um, so they definitely need it. Uh, Falcon secondary was fifth to last in coverage uh, grade per PFF last year. Um, Horn was in the 70, 78th percentile of coverage grade among um, draftees or potential draftees, I should say. Um, mm-hmm. And his completion percentage allowed throughout his career at South Carolina was 33%. And he is a little That's bit crazy. bigger. I know we talked about Devontae Smith being a little bit undersized. Horn is a little bit more, I don't want to say oversized, but he's more NFL sized. So I think yes. he's going to have a good time or not a good time, but he's going to be able to go up against those um, number one receivers and those bigger, you know, taller longer receivers in the NFL. So I have him 13 to the Falcons. Yeah. And JC Horn is just a very aggressive corner. Um, He's really good. Um, I I really like him coming out of South Carolina. I think he's very underrated. Could easily be a top 10 guy. Um, Just given that they, if he had more time in a starting role in South Carolina, um, but I really like him going to – who did you say I'm going to Falcons. get in the Falcons? Yeah. I could see him going to the Cardinals, but Fal- yeah. I have it as the Falcons. If they Falcons, is, Falcons is a great pick. Play him opposite A.J. Terrell, who was arguably a top three rookie corner, which rookie corners did not do great. Legereus Sneed was the best one. Jeff Okuda was one of the worst. But cornerback is one of the hardest positions to transition to into the NFL. Um, so, But if there's anyone that could do it, I think it's J.C., and I think him in Atlanta would be a really good fit. Gilmore 2.0. Yes, Both sir. South Carolina. Who you got fourth? Uh, uh, well, two number two fourth for the order, yes, but two yes. for number me, <laughs> uh, who I think is gonna have the biggest impact. A guy you said, Panay Stool. Um, I'm gonna. It's like taking Makai Becton and Quentin Nelson and making a love child. That is Panay Stool. Just unbelievable. You pretty much hit everything on the head. Um, very good run blocker. Good in the past. We didn't see a lot of those one-on-one situations like you were saying. But you cannot argue that he is not the greatest offensive lineman in this draft. Yeah. And I put it in my blog. Um, he is, he's got that Quinton Nelson, Mekhi Becton, 
that offensive line type impact where you know he's going to be a stud as soon as he gets into the NFL. I know Mekhi Beckton missed a couple of games, but he was still one of the best run blocking tackles in the league. Not as good as a pass blocker. I think Padai Sewell is going to be the same where he's going to do dominant in the run game right away. Not too hot in the past, but give him a couple of years, he'll ramp up and then have that Quinn and Nelson type impact where he is just a top three offensive lineman in the league by bar none. Yeah. Um, so I really like him. I, I personally have him go to the Bengals where I think he'll end up falling just based on, even if the four quarterbacks aren't taken in the first four picks and more receivers go or more defensive players go in those first four picks. I still think he goes to the Bengals just where I can see it just based on the need of those top four teams. I don't yeah. think besides the Dolphins, maybe I don't think any of them have more immediate linemen need than. The yeah. Bengals. Some mock drafts had him going to the Dolphins, but a lot of people think they might also trade yeah. that pick. So um, I know you and I both yeah. have him trading it. So um, I'm going to keep mine quick. 15. I got Kyle Pitts to the Pats. We all know their tight end sucked. We all know how good Kyle Pitts was. Uh, 12 touchdowns in 2020 in less targets than he had in 2019. Uh, no drops in 2020. Uh, can beat man coverage very fast. Um, only con is he's not much of a run blocker. So I might change this come mock draft 2.0. I don't know if he's a Belichick okay. guy, especially if the Kyle Rudolph released Jordan, you told me that mm. earlier could come yes. to the Pats Hunter Henry, I think could come to the Pats. I think Belichick likes his run blocking tight ends. I know he had Hernandez who wasn't the best run blocking tight end, but then supplemented that with Gronk, um, which a lot of the tight ends I think he drafted last year were better blockers, but mm. we'll see what happens. So I'm keeping it quick Pitts possibly to the Pats. Yeah, one thing about Pitts real quick, if the Patriots do get him and either get Hunter Henry or Kyle Rudolph, I think it'd be really cool to see if they went with 11 personnel where Kyle Pitts is in the slot as a six foot four receiver. We, we've never really seen that in the NFL before, a tight end playing in the slot with another tight end on the line on mm -hmm. the, either the same or opposite side. I think that'd be very cool to see. And I think if there's any team that would pull him off, it's the Patriots. But rolling into my number one, Aziz Ojulari, um, I've said it from day one. He's going to be the defensive rookie of the year, going to make a huge impact on the Raiders defense or whatever defense he goes to his handwork, his footwork, his lean, his strength, his finesse, his ferocity, his run stopping. He is hands down the best edge rusher in this class. I love Quiddy pay. I do not think he's better than Aziz Ojulari. Look for him in the defensive rookie of the year conversation, especially on that Raiders defense. Love that kid out of Georgia. Yeah, I was gonna talk about him, but I knew you were huge on him, and I was just um, like, I'm gonna oh do him God. a disservice if I don't if I talk about him. It, um, as a former defensive lineman, if I was a high school wanting to watch someone in college, Aziz, when it comes to hand fighting, body lean, and ripping and clubbing, he's the guy I would be looking for to get better in my pass rush game, and even in run stopping, he's got he can post up offensive linemen who are much heavier than him and stuff runs back to the inside or force them to get bounced out when the gap's not there, yeah. you know, but yeah. that, that's all I say. I have a lot more stuff in stores for him. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll, we'll go over him for sure. Um, yeah. 24 overall. So I have the bears trading down a little bit. I got your boy, Jordan Rashad. No, Rashad. Is it Rashad? It's Rashad. No, right? Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman. Yep. Yeah. That's what I got. Um, ran a 4.37 hand time, 4.39, uh, laser time at the exos combined um for his 40 yard um bears definitely need a receiver they have a lot of young receivers right now darnell mooney kind of leading the way there so i think another receiver wouldn't hurt them um he is a great athlete does drop the ball a little bit like quite often compared to some of the other guys in this draft so that is a um tough 
part. I think a lot of people have him going in the second round as well, but I think that uh, 40 time helps him. Per PFF, they said he wasn't much of an athlete, but I don't really know about that now with that with that 40 time. So um, yeah. I have him play up in Minnesota, used to the cold weather, so could could be a good fit in Chicago. Yeah, I really like Rashad Bateman now. Um, sneak preview, he probably will sneak into the uh, the first round in our next mock draft. Look for that sometime around the end of March, probably the 24th or sometime around then we'll be dropping that. Um, so about three weeks from now, we'll be putting up our second mock probably, draft. Probably um, but, mid-April. Well, yeah. second mock draft, end of March. But yeah, yeah, yeah second mock draft, end of March, and then we'll drop our we'll last do a draft, mock draft. We'll do a, dra- a draft episode mid-April. Yeah, a draft episode. And then also look for a possible live stream of the first round. That would also figure that be cool. Out. Yes, sir. Yeah, we'll put that in. But overall, I mean, Rashad Bateman, I think, is going to be a freak in the NFL, especially with that speed, kind of have that OBJ kind of game-breaking ability. And for people that say, oh, only – OBJ was only good because of the catch. Bro, go watch some route yeah. running on him. Watch his slants, watch his outs, watch his curls, his comebacks, his posts. Like, he does it all. And I know he hasn't been great the past two years, especially after his injury this past season, but OBJ is as good as any of them. And I think he, he just hasn't done well because he hasn't had – I don't want to say Baker is not a good quarterback, but Baker was not good when OBJ was playing. Yeah. So And yeah. Eli at the end of his career wasn't a help either. Yeah. But. Any uh, quick NFL hits before we yep. go into late hits? Yep, just some key releases. Uh, some are surprising. Uh, Jarrell Casey getting released from the Broncos. They now have $12 million free. I talked to Jack about this on Wednesday. This could be key for the Broncos trying to get Deshaun Watson. Raiders released Tyrell Williams. He's a very good receiver for the Chargers. Um, has been hurt the past couple of years. Uh, $10 million is now free for the Raiders, and a very good receiver is now on the market. This one was surprising. This just happened today. Uh, Kyle Van Noy was released by the Dolphins. Nine and a half million is now free. Um, He was on a four-year, $51 million deal, but just because of cap space issues, they had to let him go. He's a very good defensive player, which will now shoot up the free agency list. Vikings released Kyle Rudolph, uh, the 10-year veteran tight end, uh, is now going to test free agency for the first time. Could go to the Patriots. There's a couple of other teams he could go to. He's a very good receiving threat. Very underrated because he's slow. Not not slow, but on the slower side. Also a very good run blocker. And the Jets released defensive tackle Henry Anderson. Had a breakout year in 2018. That frees up $8.2 million. Um, He could go somewhere on a two-year deal. Maybe have a good impact um, in the pass rush and in a run on a 3-4 defense. I don't think he would fit in a 4-3 personally. But that's that. So those are the key free agents that have happened over the past week. Cool. All right. Late hits. So we're going to get right on the pod again. Yep. Anyone who maybe skipped the beginning or anything like that. Um, Instagram hashtag get, share are either episode 12 post or the picture from Sunday. Again, I will post that. I will do two pictures on this post. So share either one hashtag get right on the pod tag us at hard hitting sports podcast. Uh, on Instagram, and then same on Twitter. Tag us, picture, uh, hashtag get Rod on the pod. Like Jordan said, feel free to tag Rod, Luke Rhodes, Rigoberto Sanchez. Yeah, R- Rigoberto right. Sanchez. Yeah, I think it goes by Rig Sanchez, but yeah, uh, Riggy RJ free, Sanchez. Yeah, feel free to tag all of them. Feel free to, if you know Jordan and I's personal Instagram, personal Twitter, tag whatever, tag whoever, share it again. Any any post will be entered into the raffle i've been keeping or i will start keeping track of it um so between 5 a.m on eastern standard time eastern standard time on march 3rd and then 5 p.m eastern standard time on march 5th 
Um, but yeah, um, so get right on the pod. Um, also, I already said it, Trey Mancini's back. Love it. Jordan, late hits for you. Yep. Uh, NFL 17th game is most likely going to happen for this first year. It'll be an AFC will host the home game and then it's going to alternate. So for 2022, it will be the NFC and then we'll go back and forth. What are your thoughts on adding a 17th game to the season? I like it. I think it uh, adds more interconference play. I think football needs a little bit more of that because you see that in the other sports. MLB has interleague. Not that you're playing all 30 teams or all 29 other teams in MLB, but um, you know, you're playing interleague throughout the year um nfl or nfl nba nhl you know you play the western conference teams and eastern conference teams that each play each other twice a year so i think it adds it up i think it's going to be like you're going to play the same nfc team every year like the east is going to play the east like they're going to have like a rival it sounds like but um i like it i think it just adds you know flair to the yeah I like it too. I just hope they add an additional bye week because not only will that give players more rest in a very long season, that will put the Super Bowl on President's Day weekend, which means most Americans will have off the day after the Super Bowl. That would be incredible if that happens. Um, Yeah, I think that that would help ratings. That would just help everything in general, and people could actually get pretty railed and hammered (laughs) on on a Super Bowl Sunday. No drunk driving, though. Nope, no don't, drunk driving. Please don't do that. Don't text and drive either. Yeah. Um, Louis, uh, Louis Nix found dead, former defensive tackle uh, for Notre Dame, was a third-round pick to the Texans back in 2014. Went missing on Tuesday. His body was found three days later. Uh, there hasn't been any further details on that, but again, sad to see. Irv Cross, a former Pro Bowler, longtime uh, CBS broadcaster, passes away at the age of 81. I believe I want to say um, he was also the first black uh, network uh, TV sports analyst. Also, Um, not a whole lot of people know that, but he was the first um, black sports analyst uh, for major TV. Um, He passed away. um, So sad to see there, 81 years old. Obviously, you hate to see it, um, but real big pioneer for the black community uh, getting to the sports analytical side of the media. But after... All that, man. You want to get into some trivia? Yeah, and we've got some uh, special trivia. So, Jordan, I'll let you go first because I want to end it on special trivia. All right. So, you talked about last week how Mike Trout's only been in the 30-30 club one time in his career. Yes, sir. So, sticking with that theme in the 30-30 club, how many active players, along with Trout, are in the 30-30 club? So they've had like one season, at least one season in their career, 30-30. At, at, least, at least one season, 30-30 in their career. Active players. Five. Ooh, you were close. Seven. Okay. Seven players. Um, Bryce Harper? No. Nope. Bryce Harper is not on this list. Mookie, Mookie's not on the list. Nope. Mookie is Mookie on the is? list. Okay. 2018, 2018. With the Sox. Okay. He did steal yep. 30. Um, I don't want to keep everyone waiting too long, so I'm gonna. That's fine. I'm gonna default Lindor. No, Lindor is not on the list. Lindor, uh, who, uh I'm already like blanking on the guys. We switched sports in my mind. Just watching oh, no. the Celtics. Oh, We're just talking football. I'm going <laughs> baseball. Uh, uh, blah 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 blah. Was in the MVP conversation in 2019. Juan Soto? No. No, not Juan Soto. Um, Jose Altuve. No. Jesus. Oh, uh, you're blanking here. Yeah, I'm blanking. I'm fried. My brain's fried. Just give it to me. I'll help you out. So 2019, Christian Yelich and Ronald. Oh, Lachia. yeah. 
uh, were in there. Um, 2018, Jose Ramirez and Mookie Betts. 2012 was obviously Mike Trout. Um, I forgot from earlier, is Ryan Braun still in the MVP? Yes. So Ryan Braun won it twice, and then Matt Kemp was okay. the other one. Okay. So those those are the seven that have won it, and Brian Braun won it twice in 2011 and 2012. Not won oh, it, but but joining the club. That, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Which, <laughs> okay. And Matt Kemp also did 2011. Uh, 2011. Yep, Matt Kemp okay. did it. He had 39 home runs and 40 stolen bases. Wow, so he was almost. almost in the 40-40 club. Wow. Yep. And he finished. He finished second that year in MVP voting behind Braun. Yep. I remember that. See, I remember that stuff. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look at that. But cool. that's that for my MLB trivia. I figured All right. Special trivia. We got Rodrigo Blankenship trivia. I think I might throw some of these on the Instagram story. I might find some more in-depth trivia. This is just some basic Rodrigo trivia. So if you don't know this, I you're love not it, a true man. Rodrigo fan. Jordan, what was Rodrigo Blankenship's number in college? 99. Close. 98. Ooh, 98. All Shit, right. I almost had it. All right. Rod- okay, Jordan. What was Rodrigo Blankenship's career field goal percentage at Georgia? At was Georgia. it? I'll give you. I'll give you A, B, C, D. Ready? Okay. Was it A, seventy nine percent, B, eighty point five, C, eighty two point five, or D, eighty three point five? Hmm. Seventy nine seems kind of low. I'm gonna go with C. Eighty two point five. Yes. I'll let the listeners think for a second. It is C, 82.5. You got yes. that one right. You're one for two in Rodrigo Blankenship yeah. trivia. All right, I'll cool. take it. Now, this one is not a Rodrigo Blankenship question, but it involves Rodrigo Blankenship in the question. Interesting. Okay. Okay. So let me just find it because I actually had it here. How many followers ago. does he have on Instagram? <laughs> Ooh, I don't even know that. A lot, like 170 something. Thousand, yeah. well, obviously. All right. Yeah. Rodrigo Blankenship is second all time in SEC points scored. Who is first? Give me some names. He's currently in the NFL as a kicker right now as well. Okay. And he went to Auburn. Oh, and he went to Auburn. Oh. Can you give me some options? Because I might know it. I just, I can't, I'm blanking AFC. on AFC. He kicks in the AFC. Kicks in the AFC. Could have been a pro bowler this year for sure. Could have been a pro bowler. It's I forget if Jason Sanders was in the pro bowl or not. It was it was Justin Tucker this year. It was yeah, in Justin, Pro Bowl, yeah. Yeah, Justin Tucker. But it's was not in the pro he's bowl. not the guy. <laughs> Jason Sanders is not the guy, you're saying. Or you're saying Justin Tucker is not the guy. Both. <laughs> Both are not the guy. Both are not the guy. Could have been in the Pro Bowl. I'm trying to think of who is he on the older or younger side? Young younger. Younger him and Rodrigo's like paths would have overlapped. Like they probably would have played each other. They probably would have played each other like in college. Yes. Oh, I feel like I should know this. Well, oh my AFC God. Um, AFC West. AFC West. Yep. It's not Harrison Bucker, is it? No, no. Okay. AFC West. Not Michael Badgley. He sucks. Um, not sucks, but he, he's not as good as the other NFL. Yeah. Figures. And his name's Marvin. I thought, no, wait, that's the basketball player. That's the dude player. <laughs> Is it Daniel Carlson? Yes, sir. Wow. 480 points. Rodrigo had 440. Want to take a wild guess at who is third? Guy's a meme. Guy's a meme? Yeah. Who's a meme? Sebastian Janikowski? Plus Blair Walsh. Blair Walsh. Also went to Georgia, 2008 to 2009. He's at 412. 
Dude, I love that. Love me some yeah. kicker trivia. Love the kicker. Love the kicker SEC trivia. So Rod has a lot of records for uh, SECs. In, like, yeah, the top he's really five. good. Like dude. he's up there. That's why I wish the Patriots drafted him instead of a random kid from URI or whatever. But he's up yeah. there. Wait, I want to. I want to find like just the stats in general since this is Rodrigo's episode. Um, first, uh, what is he? He's twelfth. Twelfth in NCAA field goal maids all time. Fourth wow. in SEC. Uh, seventh in SEC field goal attempts. Uh, second. All time, like I said, in SEC points, 17th all time in NCAA points. Uh, first in extra points in 2017, the year that the Georgia Bulldogs went to the college football playoff final. Um, third SEC all time in extra points made. Never missed 200 career extra points, never missed one in college. Um, so, especially for a college kicker, that's very impressive because mm-hmm. um, you see them shank it sometimes, give every once in a while. So, never missed it in 200 yeah. attempts in college. I know it's closer, but still. Um, so yeah. good things for him to come. Like I said, mm-hmm. getting him on the podcast is definitely going to be a huge one, but Jordan, uh, any last words, uh, before we head off and we, we get ready for our Thursday night NBA mid season review. Nah, man, this is a fun episode. Um, if you don't follow the TikTok, we're posting more and more there every day. I have so far posted the best current offensive team and best defensive team based on whatever team I get on my cap. There's already a lot of controversy around those teams. I'm sorry, Hank Aaron. I'm sorry. (laughs) I will be dropping my special teams uh, Wednesday night. So you'll see the best current special teams players has some other ideas in the wheelhouse. So if you want to have fun interacting with us, um, you want to create your own teams or you want to just shit on us for hours or praise us for hours. Thank you, Eric Mauricio. Um, yeah, just feel free to uh, hit us up on that. Uh, we'd love to get more interaction with the fans. And I think TikTok would be a great way to do it. Jack, what do you have? I was going to say, so the TikTok is at hard hitting sports, one word, no underscores, just at hard hitting sports. Um, not even the podcast on there. Our name has the podcast in there, but the hey username is not Jordan is playing random videos right now. So on Sorry. TikTok, he's opening <laughs> up TikTok. So um, he's already getting ready to post the next one. I have some good ideas too, some cross sport content. Um, so other than that, again, as always, thank you all so much for listening, for the feedback, for supporting us, listening, giving us ideas to talk about, commenting on the TikTok, especially you, user 1978353.14159. We love you. We love all of you. And uh, as always, especially this time around, we are going to get rod on the pod